Poetry. Poetry. Poetry night. Poetry night rings through. On Monday, August 20th, we said. The title of the email was Looky Looky, and then the book and the body said, We got a bookie. And Wesley Fullerton wrote back, Excellent! With two exclamation points. May I have a copy? Do I have to ask for it? Do I have to beg for it? Do I have to work for it? Do I have to sing for it? Do I have to put on a dress and dance the fandango for it? Do I have to come up to Bellingham and read poems for it? Do I have to wake up with foggy eyes and a bad memory in some stranger's house after reading poetry in Bellingham for it? Do I have to get shots for it? And for the record, I believe he means the shots that come in a glass at one and one half ounces not the shots that come in a syringe. Do I have to buy drinks and say what a pretty mouth you have for it? Do I have to vote for it? Do I have to vote Republican for it? Do I have to eat 50 hard-boiled eggs like Paul Newman in the movie Cool Hand Luke for it? Do I have to choose between voting Republican or eating 50 hard-boiled eggs like Paul Newman in the movie Cool Hand Luke for it? Do I have to sit cross-legged on a mountaintop with my head bare to the universe above and wait patiently without the thought of waiting but simple awareness of being an internally present moment for it? Do I have to eat my green beans for it? Do I have to write for it? Well then, here you are, Wesley. Wesley Fullerton, ladies and gentlemen. We have a little poetry reading for you tonight. Do you guys want to hear some poetry? Yeah! Ladies and gentlemen, would you please welcome Anna Wolf to our stage. This is called uh, Red Heat. Uh, long before I was born, they called me baby. And when I squalled into the world, red as beetroot, baby fit the tiny weight of me. And baby fit the little space I took in their world. And I grew and baby stuck even as my voice began to fill my whole body, as my voice swelled rounder than any baby's. Even after my sister arrived, began growing, the name was still mine, my tongue red with withholding in my mouth. Perhaps my little sister spent the rest of her life waiting for her missing year and a half of baby, waiting for her older sister to forfeit first voice. I, older sister, now know myself to be little. Maybe that's why men still like to call me baby as they rake their fingers through my red hair, tug smooth the curls as they grow. At 18... My hair slowly grows long, and I am sure I am done waiting for love. He found me with his red hair, the same shade as my own, his voice laughing, the first man, boy, to call me baby, sweetheart, darling, honey, tiger, little lover. In his bedroom, it seemed a little thing, just to listen to love words grow loud in my ears. We were just babies. Really, a red disaster just waiting to happen, young tongues crying for voice, how were we to know, despite all we'd read, that even we would end in loss and red heat, that in the spring something little would grow inside me. 
How can I voice the sorrow we never felt? We never wanted to grow old before 20, never wanted to wait through nine months of foreboding baby. I only wish I could wield my voice full of red magic. I would give baby back to my little sister as she grew, rid myself of its weight. Thank you. Anna Wolf. Ladies and gentlemen, would you please welcome Malcolm Kenyon to the stage. Uh, this one's called Like Rainbows. The iris sang sad songs and thought of home. The Atlantic wind blow, blew mostly east to west, and few went back. Each person faces Mecca in a way, his private focus, the homing smell of one's own stream that calls the salmon back. An imaginary citadel our mind can hide in. Sometimes the scent of rain suggests it. Or the fall of light just right reminds us. Or cries of some peculiar bird at sunrise. Or a cricking insect. Just anything. Might set the mind careening backwards with regret for, for what? I don't know exactly. We, like wind, must move from high to low. Every living thing must go from womb to grave, from night to day, from youth to age. That is the way. It's entropy that drives us from the garden. Not the hand of God displacing Eve and Adam, just emigration and immigration natural circulation to places where we never really fit, coming from locations that quickly fill behind, that will never take us in again, exiles in flight along our high trajectory like rainbows with no pot of gold on either end. That is Malcolm Kenyon, ladies and gentlemen. Give him a hand. Please welcome Solly to the stage. This is called Measurement in Night Years. Doors opening on the right. Doors opening on the left. No, that's wrong. Sorry. Doors opening on the right. Doors closing on the left. A house divided does not stand. It falls and spreads apart. Across these neighborhoods of subdivided lives, 
shadows in these suburbs, motors in the canyons, boulders on the hillsides, hauled away for sand and gravel, doors opening, doors closing, keys turning, motors running, history dispersing, hundred thousand million billion particles of smoke, our molecules of wasted earth, our one and only house dividing and dividing and dividing, one and only house of love, our house of truth. I ran across the fast lanes, learned to crawl away from slow lanes, Fifty years of fast and slow lanes crawled and ran until the spinning surfaces of spreading gridland cities knocked me down under their smoke and noise where I hardly ever heard the wind or saw the stars. No you and no me, no us and no them, no slave and no free, no nine and no ten, no here and no now, no there and no then, no how and no why, no where and no when, just once and for all, just forever and again. Culture gone, culture gone, nature gone, mind. Did we always sit in circles? Did we think a silent language? Did we light the fires, trace our shadows on stone, on cave walls? Did we sing the wind and drink the rain? Is there Indian left in country? Is there country left in Indian? In Indian, in country, an Indian. In Indian, a country, 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 Indian country, no country, no Indian, no Indian, no country. Know the future's threats and schemes turn away from young man's dreams. I climbed the curbs of suburbs, heard the roar and scream of commerce, saw the mountains' edges disappear in smog. I climbed those curbs at least a hundred thousand times. Run across the fast lanes, learn to crawl away from slow lanes. Fifty years of fast and slow lanes. Crawl and run until you learn your mantra. In this reign of clock time come with all our habit empires done. Now every prophecy is one, now every prophecy is one. And won't it be fun, and won't it be fun, when finally your light does shine again, does shine again, when finally our lights do shine again? That is solid, ladies and gentlemen. Give him a hand. Please welcome Robert Lashley to the stage. I'm going to read a wonderful poem from this wonderful book by this wonderful poet by Nathan, named Nathan Dodge. This poem is called Feng Shui. 
for simple feng shui, I will become a shrub. I will be one-third my height and reside in a terracotta pot, round and sitting on a plate to protect the deck. For on a deck I will reside outside to receive the sun's glowing, warming, nourishment, the rain to moisten my roots and keep me alive, the wind to, buff to buffet me and blow my leaves to the four corners of the earth. I will reside on the deck, small, green, and bushy, for shrubs are bushy, and I am now a shrub. I will sit on the deck next to you as you sunbathe, protecting you from the wander stairs of the perfect next-door neighbor who should know better. I will, ex I will exchange your CO2 for oxygen, and your breath will be that much sweeter, for I will also give off an earthy scent, and I sigh as you pour the excess of your drink over my head, proving waste not, want not. I will be the stoic, I will be st the stoic through the fall. As, th as the cold starts to nip, though I become more sleepy, as my sap slows, I will always be awake as you slip outside to smoke with me, discovering that I also make a great ashtray. And winter comes. I am covered with snow, only broken by the steps you've taken to come and smoke with me and use me as an ashtray. Spring thaws. I'm excited for your renewal as you are. You find more time to smoke with me, waiting for the days to grow longer, so summer again, but I don't feel so well. And you come to worship the sun with me and notice I have become pale, listless. I fear it's all because of the cigarette butts. I cannot protect you anymore from that spying pervert next door who should still know better. I have gone on to the Eden in the sky, and you toss me out, saving the terracotta pot and the plate because you still don't want to mar the deck. Nathan Dodge, ladies and gentlemen. That is Robert Lashley performing a poem by Nathan Dodge. Who should still know better? Would you please welcome Tom with an H? to the stage. Thank you, everybody. 802,701, Anno Domini. Eight days survived in little more than three hours before dinner. Morlocks haunt you when you dream, if you dream at all, little Eloy. Little people, lazy meat. Evolution's way finally dividing humanity. Species to feed species in a sustainable balance. Poor workers now prey on their monetary masters. Escape at last this hellish apprehension. Rolling the dials forward so the long eons pass in an instant. Halting only at the end of days our bloated sun about to burst, utter solitude and secret knowledge realized in the end, return along the fourth dimension just in time for dinner. Thank you. So assignment guesses? Robert's asking what did it spell? 88 miles per hour. 
That was Tom with an H, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome, please welcome Ryler Dustin to the stage. Okay, so um, let's see. This is a. It's called "Poem with a Card in Its Spokes." No one could tell me why music existed, so the question like any other of the towering, transient clouds of that humming, gnat-strewn summer, dissipated, without me much noticing. I repeatedly pushed my bike up the trailer park's steep, cat-strewn arterial, surveyed the lethal syncline, readjusted the laser-tag helmet I wore for effect, and pushed off, knees bent, balanced over the pedals to absorb the random speed bumps our landlord was constantly, without plan or apparent pattern, pouring along the wobbly road. During the descent, I sang, riding to the danger zone. (laughs) Though I didn't know the words, so it was more like an electric guitar solo that crackled forth from my grated teeth as I swerved by Bozo, our enormous tabby, his cruel mother, Littlefoot, skidded past the slanting mailboxes and stopped just before the traffic that roared down Y Road. Two. Reading the singing Neanderthals, I hear again my grandmother's shrill tone as I blurred past her trailer, snippets of blue vocabulary that pierced my thick, high-tech ear pads. I caught her meaning with pre-linguistic instinct, the author says. Something we share with cats, coyotes, horses, anything that can tell the difference between whine and whimper, grumble and growl. That's why music means more to us than a math test. Why I had to sing. Why the the range and register of what we feel is more than words and what we fear. Now I say, like music, the name of my first kiss. Nicole, with heavy lids. Nicole, like Nickel or Nyquil, who took me into her dark closet one heavy afternoon, the fourth or fifth time we watched Top Gun while our mothers puffed out camel smoke downstairs. She took me into the closet basically by force, a foot taller, five years older, and asked, without waiting for my answer, do you want to know something? (laughs) Something. It felt like swimming in the dark lake with the weeds that grazed my feet, then gazing down receding meters of brown water when she asked if I knew what it meant to kiss French and, about to put her lips on mine, moaned involuntarily, inarticulately. It's almost an ache now, the regret with which I remember running down the calico-carpeted stairs to the kitchen to tell our mothers what she had done, though the only words I could think of were something and French. (laughs) (laughs) If only I'd known how much I'd have to learn in years to come, how hard I'd work to bring that sound out of another woman 
in rooms with orange sheets on the windows or pine shadows that fingered the blue seats of my moldy Ford parked at a discreet dead end. How in confusion and blindness I would struggle to make another woman want me as much as she had with her terrifying hands to find the secret of that sound she made. Four. Because my grandmother had a mysterious old Emerson, and because Lucas and Jeremy said it would help us meet girls, I signed up for the flute. (laughs) We all sat around the one female flutist, Elizabeth, who was dating a gigantic track star. (laughs) (laughs) And I discovered I could make her laugh by saying literally anything that popped into my mind. (laughs) It was complete stream of consciousness. I imitated used car salesmen, the band teacher, Maypo ads. At our concert, just before the teacher raised his baton over the song she had a solo in, she looked at me, panicked, a feeling I recognized since I was by then in love with her, and said, Ryler, I'm nervous. Make me laugh. And I was so nervous at the trust she had placed in me that as the teacher lifted his hands, I rushed through an imitation of a popular Alberto hairstylist's commercial. My words unintelligible, gestures flying epileptically around my hair so that she shrank back, stunned for a terrible, drawling moment before her face split into a peal of laughter so pure, so violent, she forgot to cover her mouth and it rang across the auditorium. (laughs) Accompanied by French horns and clarinets, at the exact moment the baton fell. That's rather Dustin. Show. That was the show.